Hola, time for another Thrash by Radio podcast. This is where I get to celebrate the pure rock years of Southern California's heavy metal flagship, KNAC-FM. I am Thrash by your favorite guy. Uh, the inside story of KNAC, and, and, and I say inside meaning us, and us being the people who, who worked there, um, I think it's pretty important for these podcasts to portray that as as honestly uh, and as forthrightly as as possible. We had some great people pass through those halls, and even after it was all over, people who went on to to great great careers afterwards. Uh, one of those guys is our program director, our last program director, Brian Shock, another one of the San Diego people who came up through, through KGB. Now, these people were thoroughly ensconced in, uh, in, in, in rock music, so there's, there's no doubt about their qualifications from that standpoint. There was always a little bit of, perhaps, concern that, you know, these weren't the L.A. people who were, you know, our meat. But um, Brian, like I did, had two separate stints at uh, Pure Rock KNAC, and he served us quite well. I grew up in San Diego. I, I used to go to L.A. a lot for shows. I loved hard rock growing up. I started working in radio in San Diego in, uh, the, in like, 82. In 85, I ended up at a rock station there and ended up with a metal show on that rock station. A friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, came to me sometime in 86, I don't remember the exact date, but somewhere in the summer of 86 or something and or spring and said, you have to hear this radio station that's up in L.A. It's called KNAC. They do what you do on your metal show 24 hours a day. So I immediately got in my car and drove up as far as I needed to drive and listened to the station basically until I thought I might end up falling asleep driving home <laughs> and told myself, I'm going to work for that radio station at some point. There's just no two ways about it. I am going to work there. So it just so happens um, I was working at the, the station I was working at in San Diego. was called KGB. The music director there, Pam Edwards, ended up becoming the program director at KNAC. I believe it was late 89 or maybe early 1990. And I started pitching her immediately for the music director job. And <laughs> thrashers. She drugged that thing out forever, <laughs> made sure that she took in every resume, every possible candidate around the globe for the next four months before she finally settled on the guy that was sitting in her backyard the whole time. It's typical. So I was absolutely thrilled to be there. I was like, okay, I set my sights on this thing and boom, now I'm the music director. And so that's how I, I kind of got involved with KNAC in the first place, which was like a 13-year-old's wet dream. What was the playlist like then? Well, it was 1990 when I started. Well, I, I, well let's put it this way. I, can, I, I tell you, I remember this vivid, uh, and this should give you an idea of what was going on musically at the time. I had been playing this band out of Dallas, Texas called Pantera on my show. They had not been signed to a major label. They got signed... While I was the music director at KNAC, I believe that was summer of 1990, and I was bugging the crap out of Pam. We've got to play these guys. They're awesome. This record's awesome. They're going to be big. You got just you know, if you don't want to play something like Cowboys from Hell, Cemetery Gates is tame enough. Let's play this one. And it took me a while, but I finally got her to play it. 
and that was kind of the harder side of what we were doing. I remember as music director, and I may have set a few Poison fans here and there, but I didn't want anything to do with that shit. We played some of it, but I, I if it was too... If they were wearing more makeup than my wife, I really wasn't all that interested in them. That was kind of part of the first era, the first few years of it. And that stuff had a fairly short burn in terms of two or three years. I mean, like most pop music, sort of, I guess. The harder stuff started to kick in, like you're talking about. And, And what I'm trying to get to specifically is, you know, there's one band, it's the Elephant in the Room, um, that can't be ignored, that had an upward trajectory throughout the entire time of that station's life in that format, and that's Metallica. Where was that on your radar? Uh, I never heard of those guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Mandatory Metallica was started while I was there. <laughs> oh, it must have been your idea. Uh, I didn't want to sit there and take credit for it, but I think it was. it may have been. <laughs> I, I I believe that, and I'm, I remembered that, too. It's why I was trying to get there. But, you know, moreover, what I'm trying to establish sort of the B story, I don't mean the side that the station is, you know, what we're talking about, but, you know, Metallica continued on an upward trajectory as I think the station did, as opposed to some of the initial, you know, pop music that kind of came and went. And even grudge grunge sort of didn't come and go, but it was going by the end of everything, I believe. So it, it was, um, yeah, Metallica, I mean, Metallica was there from the start. There's no doubt about that. I would say that their prime years, granted, they already had a couple of records out before KNAC came on, uh, but their prime years happened while KNAC was there. And the crescendo for them was of course the black album in terms of, you know, their popularity for some Metallica fans, you know, the black album was the death of Metallica. Yeah. It was the sellout album for some, some of those people. Right. But yeah, I, I you know Metallica was the center of the radio station, uh, which is one of the big reasons why we went to Lars and James when, you know, our last day was happening and asked them to be part of it because, they were such an integral part of what ANAC was. I, I have always thought that the, our trajectory and theirs, ours went up with their trajectory, I thought. And you're right, after the Black Album and then... Yeah, I don't think there was another new Metallica record out other than the live things, the Binge and Purge. Right. I don't think there was another live or another um, studio Metallica record out before we went away. <laughs> Leave it to those guys to ride that wave for about five years. Isn't that something? But, you know, it, it speaks to their credibility and, and all of that stuff. You know, they were actually very good to us, you know. The, one of the... Oh, they were, they were incredible. I mean, those guys were – I used to go and – I'll tell you, I used to – and one of, this is one of the beautiful things about being able to be in a place like KNAC and, and uh, have the opportunity to meet the people that we got to meet. I used to go and drink with Lars fairly regularly. And the thing that I found interesting about it was, I'm not sure Lars remembered me a lot of the time. <laughs> he used to party pretty good. <laughs> I think if I ran into him today, he certainly would. But um, those were pretty rough party days. I'll tell you another thing that I remember distinctly about being there, and this, was, this happened in 1991. Headbangers Ball was huge on MTV. Pam came to me one day and she said, we're going to bring Ricky Rackman in, who was the host of that Headbangers Ball. And I'm, we're going to do a, a radio show with him. 
and I want you to, to be the board op. Uh, at that point, I'd had quite a few years in radio, and the thought in my mind is, I'm not going to hold this guy's hand, you know, this prima donna MTV guy's hand, while, you know, he goes on and does this show, and I'm just shoved in the background here. But I had a couple months to think about it, and I thought, well, you know what? This could be a great opportunity. So by the third show, he had me in as an integral part of the show, and that was a great experience, too, because Ricky was very connected, and we had great guests in on that, uh, on that show on a regular basis. Uh, and the after show was always a blast, too. Many nights down at the Rainbow, hanging out with what a probably 15-year-old girl would be clamoring to, you know, to, to be around a, a table full of these guys. Uh, just great memories of, of, of being involved in that. It well, really was a lot of fun. You know, Ricky, uh, the story goes that Ricky was in New York hanging out with Axl Rose and took Axel with him into MTV and told them he wanted to do a heavy metal show. And pretty much they go, huh? Okay, now, when do you want to go on? At least that's the, that's the myth. I don't know what the truth is. You know what? I believe that because Ricky was always kind of, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he's your typical hustler. He'll, he just made, he's made stuff happen in his life, throughout his life. And, and Ricky and I became really good friends, and, and uh, I, I really love the guy to this day. Uh, and that was, a, uh, again, that was a really, it was just such a great experience. I mean, the kind of thing, looking back on it, I was like, really? I got to be involved in that? that was, that's, that's pretty cool. And a side note, if you need it, I can start digging them up. I taped every single show. Hang on to that they're thought. cassette. I don't know if you remember cassette, but they're on oh, yeah. cassette. I, <laughs> oh, man. I, I hate to tell you what gold I lost because my cassettes were in a garage that got too hot and they just all disintegrated, so... Maybe behoove you to go ahead and transfer that to CD. Well, I think I still have the uh, tape of you when you were announcing, let's see, there was a Hawaii trip, except we switched the cart <laughs> to an outtake of you talking about how you wanted to stick your head in somebody's muff. <laughs> Me? Say something like that? I don't <laughs> I believe it was something like... Um, you don't have to pay me for this. Just give me, I, I forget, the, I think the girl's name was Gina. Gina something. Oh, God. Yeah. You remember this? I, I don't. Hell no. I, mean, it's, I'm, I wouldn't I remember this if you paid me. You remember it. <laughs> no, as soon as you play it for me, I'm sure I'll remember it, and the embarrassment oh will ensue. Oh, God. It was hilarious. We, <laughs> you literally, we took the outtake, said it was Hawaii promo, you know, that had the tag on it. Or the, it was labeled that way. Uh, I know at least Stark and I were standing in the the newsroom. Stark, yeah, and, my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you plug you plug the thing in your eyes, Hawaii, and then if I could just get one sniff of that girl's pants. <laughs> oh, I I do remember. <laughs> yes, I do remember. I do. I remember now. If I go, oh, yeah, that's just not Which, good, and it's on the air. That, <laughs> if we did, yeah, if we did that today, uh, our license probably would have been pulled. But. Oh my God, yeah. Well, wait a minute. There's a lot of things we did at KNAC where our license probably should have been pulled. Yeah. But who was going to call call the FCC on? Nobody. And the FCC in the early days of the station was right across the street in the federal building in downtown Long Beach. It was. And they never heard one word of what we did. Not one word. And we're all thankful that they never did. I was, I was continually amazed by that. That's Brian Schock.
Um, one of the great KNAC success stories, he's, jeez, uh, he went on to, oh, he was in Texas for a while, and he was in Colorado for a while, and he was back at, he was in New York City for a while doing afternoons at some, uh, you know, one of those uh, classic rock stations, whatever the hell they are. And um, these days, and fairly recently, he has become the program director for K Fog and The Bone, K San up in San Francisco, two quite uh, very prestigious jobs. Brian Schock, one of the guys who guided us through the uh, the end days and was responsible for, uh, geez, keeping us successful almost to the very end. So there you go. I'll have more insight into the pure rock years of KNAC-FM in future podcasts. A little more with Brian Schock in the next couple of podcasts, to be sure. In the meantime, your comments and correspondence of any kind are welcome at thrashpyradio at gmail.com. Give us a like and a share, and keep your eye on your Facebook page for the next Thrash Pie Radio podcast.